Okay, it's live, Julie. I'm sorry. I think I'm live. You should check and see if I'm live. You, well, if you're following the class, you should get a notice. Okay. All right. Well, I think we're live. Um, welcome. This is uh, my first attempt at doing a live stream from Facebook in the real life class. And uh, so I don't know if anybody's there. It's kind of weird not knowing if anybody's there. Uh, I know Julie's there. She's sitting right over here. But... Um, Anyway, I hope the volume sounds good. I know that we've had some problems, um, and uh, I think I got that resolved. Uh, I got this little microphone here plugged into the computer, so hopefully it'll work. Um, and, uh, and so uh, we're going to do the best we can. It's Now, you, you probably all don't know this, but since we've been doing HBI, or Heartland um, Bible Institute, me and Brian have been doing video virtual teaching. Uh, so I think we're in our ninth year, or we're finishing up our tenth year of Bible Institute. And we have done all kinds of things. We've used cameras on a tripod and talked to the camera and then streamed out the the uh, video on YouTube to our students while we were traveling on mission, journey, mission trips and stuff. So, I mean, we've been doing this for a long time, uh, haphazardly and sometimes better than others, sometimes not so good. Um, but uh, it's pretty interesting, you know, that now we're, we're high tech and everybody's doing live streaming all over the world and, um, you know, people from other parts of the world, missionaries and, and partners that we have in the ministries, they can watch what we're doing or we can watch them. So it's pretty cool to see us, see that happening and just experiencing that. Um, I think that uh, uh, Lance Yoder is going to be sending out a link to this video. Uh, you probably got a notice as well if you were following the real life class. We've actually had a real life class presence on our Facebook um, for a long, long time, but I never did anything with it because I don't understand how to do all that stuff. A uh, couple of things I want to do before we get started with the lesson, though. Is, uh, you know, I'm going to try to keep this as consistent as possible from when we were in class. The only thing is going to be hard to do is pray together because I can't hear anybody and I don't know if anybody is out there. Well, I know there's people out there, uh, but I don't know if, you know, how we're going to handle prayer. Uh, but I do have some announcements that I want to get through. And then uh, um, if you have a prayer request in particular, uh, a need, a family situation, um, you know, text Julie and she will notify me. If you could do that uh, anytime uh, during the announcements, and she will read off those. And then when we get ready to go to prayer, uh, I want to read passage. I want to read the book of Psalms, chapter 29, is where we're going to read. Uh, and then I'm going to pray. And what I'm going to do, the best way I can make this happen, is I'm just going to ask you to pray as well. You're in your home. You can pray. And, and, uh, and just take three or four minutes and pray. Uh, pray through the passage in Psalm 29. Pray whatever prayer requests that we get that Julie lets me know about, that I let you know about. And then after three or four minutes, I'm going to conclude in prayer, and then we're going to hit the lesson and get started in the book of Philippians. And so 
Uh, first thing is, uh, uh, Lance also should have sent you a... Um, What? The form? Oh, okay. Lance, if you could text Julie the link to, she's trying to send it out to some family members and uh, other people that uh, she wants to invite in. So if you could make sure that she's included somehow. And then uh, go ahead and text uh, any of your prayer requests to Julie's cell phone. If you don't know her cell phone, is area code 816. I guess I was supposed to turn this around like that. So 816-808-8155. And just text her with your prayer uh, needs, and we'll include those to the whole class. So um, so anyway, uh, well, I'll tell you what, we had an exciting night last night. Let me just tell you this story, and then we'll go, for, we'll go forward. But about a quarter to three in the morning, we heard this loud crash outside of our house. Uh, you know, we live behind... Uh, well, behind us is Kentucky Road, uh, which is the dividing road between Raymore and Belton, and on the other side of the of the road is is a farm. Well, apparently, a truck, a pickup truck, was running from the cops, and they come flying over the hill just just south of our of our house, and he lost control and he crashed through the fence. Beautiful fence over there. Uh, he crashed through the fence, and so there was at least ten cops vehicles. Um, in our backyard, up and down the street for over an hour last night, keeping us awake. So that was exciting uh, that happened. And then, of course, the you know they all left. I don't know if they caught the guy. I don't know what happened. I never saw them. It was kind of like that show Cops, but they never. Um, I don't know if they ever caught the guy, but they were all out in the field out there with the cows and the horses and stuff. Well, this morning, everybody's gone, and the horses are trying to get out from the broken fence. So Julie's trying to call somebody. She ends up calling the police and reports it, and they come. They finally get a hold of the owner. And anyway, anyway, it's just it was just an exciting time. Um, and, uh, and so that was fun. So it sounds like we're getting a bunch of texts now. Uh, is that mine or yours? Okay. All right. So... Um, let me go through the uh, the announcements first. Oh, uh, what I started to say was Lance was going to text you a PDF document, um, which is the handout that, uh, you know, I always gave out a handout. And um, uh, so you could follow along. I, the only situation is that you have to print it yourself, unfortunately. If you have a printer, uh, great. If you don't want to print it, you don't have to, but you can at least still follow along. It's also in the files location in the real life class. So if you didn't get that texted to you, you could download it. Um, you could download it another day, listen to the the message again, and fill out the blanks as you need to. Uh, so that's the first thing. Um, so announcement wise, um, you know we have a, a lot of partnerships with with uh, pastors in India. And uh, I know everybody's aware of what's going on in Italy, where, you know, Italy got hit hard with the coronavirus. We're being bombarded, so on and so forth. Um, but the Indian pastors are, are hurting as well. And uh, Pradeep uh, has requested that we prayerfully consider giving, uh, you know, a little bit of money so that they can buy some rice. Um, and also uh, Pastor Christodos, which is the pastor that... Um, Brian and Ray, Ray Blowers and Jim Stovall 
and Jeff Trude were going to go visit. In fact, they should be there now, but that trip got canceled. Um, so if you want to just pray about that, you can donate that through the missions fund, uh, through designated, designated missions. Um, next thing is that uh, Brian wants everybody to be aware that we have a new way to stream the main services, the Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night services on the church's website, hpfcast.org. You can go there, and on the homepage, at the top of the homepage, there's a button uh, 30 minutes prior to the service start. should say, Watch Now. You can click on that, and when the stream starts, you'll be able to watch the service at that point in time. You don't have to go to Facebook. You don't have to uh, go to YouTube or anything like that. Um, so if you have family or friends you want to invite to watch it, that's a good place for them to do that. Um, the other uh, announcements is is um, uh, is just I just want to remind people to reach out to our class. There's a couple of people in our class that um, uh, that probably haven't been reached out to. So just look around your class, you know, in your living room or bedroom, wherever you're at right now, and uh, and you know just remind yourself of who who's in our class that we haven't talked to, and maybe. Give them a call, pray with them, ask them how they're doing. Just check on them. Just so I just wanted to remind you of that. Jim uh, Boyette also has uh, sterilized the bathrooms on the E-Wing, you know, the uh, the single stall bathrooms and that little bitty bathroom between the little lambs and the sunbeams. Um, uh, he sterilized those and locked them down. Please do not use those bathrooms. Uh, and, uh, of course, the E-Wing is is not completely shut down either, but uh, we might as well avoid that area as much as possible if you're in the building until things start changing. Um, uh, let's see. Um, cleaning teams. Um, I don't know how we're doing the cleaning teams right now, but Lance's team is scheduled for May 2nd, uh, which is coming right up. So we'll need to touch base with Jim and see what he wants done. There's probably very little that can or should be done, um, and then uh, and then uh, Bob Hall's team is June 13th, so that's about a month away or so, a little over. Uh, so I uh, hope everything else is good. Uh, that's the announcements that I have. Julie, do you got anything? Okay, so Gwaine, Gwaine's Aunt Carolyn Arnie is grieving for her husband. He passed away. Uh, earlier this past earlier this past week, I believe his name was Tom, and he passed away, if I believe, from the coronavirus. So, so the the Arnies are grieving at the loss of of one of their family members. So we definitely want to pray for him. And uh, Carolyn is alone uh, in North Carolina. Is it North Carolina? Uh, so Carolyn is alone. So pray for her. She needs to be comforted by the Lord. Um, and then to continue to pray for Jill, which is Joyce, Joyce's daughter, Joyce Schley Hoover's daughter. And uh, is that everything? Oh, the cleaning teams are still suspended, according to Jeremy. Okay, well, that makes makes sense. There's nothing going on at church, so we don't need to be in there cleaning. Um, <clears throat> of course, our Bible conference is coming up, and vision conference was canceled. There's a lot of things that have been changed, so... Um, and hopefully we'll be able to get back to um, a normal course of existence here soon. 
Um, so let's go ahead and turn over to the book of Psalms, chapter 29. I'll read that passage, and then I'll give everybody three to four minutes to pray. Pray for pray for the Arnies. Pray for Jill. Pray, um, I hate to ask for prayer for me, but just pray for me that I make it through the course of uh, today and and uh, have have strength to do what needs to be done. My breathing sometimes gets laborious, um, so hopefully that won't affect the audio. But let's start with Psalm chapter 29, verse 1. It says, Give unto the Lord, all ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Amen to that. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The glory of uh, the, the God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh hinds to calve, and discovereth the forest, and in his temple doth every one speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood, yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. So let me open in prayer. Sorry, we're having trouble playing the video. It says, sorry, we're having trouble playing the video. Am I still on? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. It just did. Sorry, everybody. This, I just looked up and my screen is saying I'm having problems. I don't know what to do. I'm still playing. You. Okay. All right. Well, if it's on. Okay. So I'm going to pray. Let me open in prayer. Then I'll give everybody a chance to pray separately. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you so much for your voice. Lord, I pray that we can always be hearing your voice and the power of your voice. The word of God is bold and it's strong and it's true and it's never it's never yielding to anything else. It is uh, the power that comes from you. Your word is your power. And so we praise you for that. Father, I pray that the voice of the Lord is heard throughout the world. I pray that the voice of the Lord is heard everywhere, Lord, because that's what we need now. We need your people to be the voice for you, that we could carry your voice wherever we need. And we'll just thank you, Lord, and I'll let everybody pray before we continue the lesson.
Father in heaven, Lord, as we conclude in prayer, we're just so thankful that we can come before you. We're thankful, Lord, that uh, that you speak to us as we as we call out your name in prayer. And, uh, Lord, we want to pray for the Arnies, Lord, and their family and their needs, Lord. Um, pray for Tom's uh, wife, um, Carolyn, Lord, as she is there by herself. Lord, please uh, wrap your arms around her. I, I pray for her. I pray for the whole family, Lord, that they, and it's such a hard thing when we can't, um, we can't be connected physically to just hold somebody's hand in a time of need. So, Lord, I pray that you would hold her hand. I pray that you'd hold um, uh, Gwaine and Betty's hand and their, their children's and their grandchildren's hand, Lord. Just a, a loss of any family member is difficult. And when you can't go there, Lord, it makes it even more complicated. I pray for their, their peace. I pray for their heart. I pray, Father, for Jill, uh, Joyce's daughter, Lord, as she's dealing with cancer and uh, treatments, Lord, and I know she's she's trusting in you, and I know jo- Joyce is trusting in you, and uh, so we just pray for that family as well. We pray, fathers, for um, for just everybody uh, to hear your word, hear your voice, and respond. And we'll praise you and thank you for it all in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so. Um, my screen says it doesn't work, but everybody says I'm on, so that's good. Praise the Lord. Is that, are we still, am I still on? Okay. All right, well, let's turn over to the book of... Um, actually, turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 16. And we'll, we're going to start there at first, uh, but we are studying the book of Philippians. We're just cranking that up today. And um, so let me just give you a few comments about that here in just a moment. Let me get to Acts, chapter 16. Okay, so I am so excited. I, I really am. I, I am. I'm so excited that I'm able to start this letter, the study of this letter that Paul wrote to this church called Philip, uh, or in the city of Philippi. I do hope that I'm able to communicate well. I hope that it, that this comes across well. That uh, that my voice sounds good. I hope the audio is loud enough for everybody. Uh, but I'm just excited. This is this is. I've wanted to teach this book for a very long time. Uh, it's one of my favorite Pauline letters. Of course, now I know that I say that for pretty much every book, uh, but well, it's true. I mean, you know, it's my favorite at the moment when I'm ready to teach it. Uh, and so, uh, I know Galatians was an awesome study. We had we had fun in Galatians. We had fun in in the book of uh, Esther, and and so now we're back in the New Testament. Uh, but this is a special book. For me, this is this this book, this book, the Philipp, the book of Philippians is a special book because it is it, it reminds me so much of the bond that you and I have, the real life class has together as a bond of believers, and uh, and so so we could take a lot out of the book of Philippians and learn so much about the real life class, but not just the real life class. We can learn a lot about Heartland Baptist Fellowship as well. Because this is a model. This is a great. Uh, this this. Um, how, so it reminds me of the bond that we have in the class. It reminds me of the bond that we have in the church. Um, Paul writes this letter as an encouragement to the saints that are at Philippi, and through his words, this letter ought to be an encouragement to us as well. That's why I want to study it out because it's an encouragement book. Uh, 
Because we should be a mirror of the believers that are found in this church. We should look like these people here. The things that Paul talks about, his instruction, his encouragement, his guidance, it should be something that we are paying attention to as well. Okay, so um, let's start with the background of the book. Just kind of uh, uh, someplace, uh, if you have the handout, if you were able to get the handout printed or at least looked at it electronically, on the back side is the uh, uh, is a map. Let me see your handout there, Julie. So um, there's a there's a map right there on the page on the back side. And uh, what I wanted to show you was um, this is this is a map of Paul's second missionary journey. And you can see up here is Macedonia, and Philippi is up here. And uh, we'll talk about the significance of where it's located here in just a moment. Uh, but the background of the book of Philippians, uh, it was it was founded by King Philippi, uh, which is why it's called that, uh, in 356 B.C., so it's a fairly old city. Uh, it's, the, it's a very wealthy city. They had, they had their own gold mines. Uh, one of the things that were cool about the city was that it was very rich. Uh, this location also provided uh, the stability of finances. And uh, so when Paul arrived there during his second missionary journey, um, he, he, he got there because of a, vis- a night vision that he had. So we're in Acts chapter, 15, uh, chapter 16, and I just want to read, um, well, we'll just start to read the first five verses real quick. Says there came to then came he to Derby and Lystra, and behold a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but her his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that that were there at Lystra and Iconium. <clears throat> so Paul, this is when Paul meets Timothy. Timothy becomes a key factor in the book of Philippians, uh, verse three. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered. This is verses 4 and 5 is what Paul's issue, or not issue, but what he's trying to get accomplished and what we should be doing as a church. It says, and they went through the cities, they de- and as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and the elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith, and increased in number daily. Now that right there, those two verses, basically what Paul was doing was, Paul was was going as, as hard and strong, planting churches in every little town he went to. So, you know, he, it says that he went to uh, uh, Lystra, Iconium, different places there. But he gets, he gets to verse 5 and something happens. And so he's on his second missionary journey. He's actively planning these missionary trips. He wanted to travel to Bithynia, or maybe go to Troas, or someplace, any other location that was still part of the Asian uh, uh, part of the world, note, on this map. So um, all of this down here is where he had been traveling most of his first journey, and uh, and had most of his second journey. But God says, nope, i got a different plan for you. And so um, he was directed, he was literally hindered, it says, by the Holy Spirit, and then directed to go to Macedonia, to the city of Philippi. It says in verse 6, Now when they had gone out, or throughout Pergia, and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden by the, uh, forbidden of the Holy Ghost. Now that's an amazing thing. The Holy, Holy Spirit forbade them to travel where they thought that they wanted to go. 
Um, but that's just Paul teaching us how to f- always follow what God wants us to do uh, by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But anyway, when they had gone throughout Pergia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not, and they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia, and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And when, after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us there for to preach the gospel unto them. Key thing is that they went there to preach the gospel. And so, uh, verse 11, Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with straight course to uh, Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and the colony. It was a colony because it was actually designated as a Roman colony. Um, in fact, because of some battles that took place a few hundred years earlier, uh, it became a, a key city for the military. And uh, in fact, a lot of military would retire into this area. Um, and, uh, and so it became a what was called Little Rome uh, and uh, became a, a chief place for people to live. Anyway, okay, so... So this is the neat thing about this, because starting in verse 11, Paul begins to meet some people. Uh, you know, he never met the man that had come over in his vision. He never met that man. Uh, but he did meet some people. Uh, when he traveled there, uh, he, he met Lydia, the seller of purple, starting in verse 11 down through verse 15. Uh, many of you are aware of who she is. Uh, so verse 12 says, and then to Philippi, the chief city, and on the Sabbath, verse 13, we went out to the city by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. So she was a, a believer, uh, or at least trusted in God. And uh, uh, she worshiped God. She heard Paul and, those, and his men whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of by of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and abide there. And she constrained them. Um, and so so that's the first person that they met, Lydia. And I, I, I'm going to assume that there were other women sitting around. They were talking with Lydia. They were about doing a Bible study. And Paul Paul led them all to the Lord. Lydia got baptized. The other person that they met, not so good. Starting in verse 16, they met a damsel who was demonically possessed. So in verse 16 it says, And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So she would do fortune-telling and different kind of things like that. Uh, Definitely demon-possessed. Uh, did the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. Now that sounds like a great thing, but you got to realize what's happening here. She's she's under the control of the devil, and what's happening is is she's announcing Paul's and Timothy's intention to share the gospel so people can get saved. And really, what that is is a it's a, a distraction. Um, for the people, and so she's trying to distract what the work that Paul is trying to get done. 
And she did this many days, verse 18. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. Um, and then verse 19, And when her master saw that the hope of their, of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace, into the rulers, in verse 20, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men are causing problems, and they exceedingly trouble our city. And so so the, there's two people that, that they have met in the city of Philippi, and they've only been there very, very short amount of time. The third group of people that they met was a Philippian jailer. And I won't take the time to read all of verse 25 down through verse 40, but I think everybody's aware Paul was put in prison. Timothy was put in prison. They're singing songs in verse 25. God hears the singing. All of a sudden there's an earthquake. Uh, the, the doors are open. The jailer thinks he needs to uh, commit suicide because he's failed. Uh, that was a typical thing for Roman soldiers. Uh, if they failed, they would execute themselves because they knew they were going to be killed anyway. So so all the way down through verse 40, which is the end of the chapter, Paul was in prison, and he, then he was he was freed from prison, and, uh, and the, the, the jailer, um, I don't know what verse it is here real quick, but um, the jailer, verse... Um, Well, I'm not sure the verse at this moment, but the jailer comes out to Paul and says, "What must I do? Need to do? do what must I need do to be saved?" Um, and the verse 30, he brought them out and said, "Sir, what must I do to be saved?" In verse 31, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house." So Paul's all, all Paul wants to do is share the gospel, and so we have these three these three groups of people. So so through these connections, through these connections was made. Uh, with these folks, and maybe a few others, as I said earlier. But Paul was able to start the first Christian church in Europe. So the church at Philippi is not in Asia, it's in Europe, and it's the very first church that Paul planted in in Asia. So that's why, looking at the map here, you got you got Philippi up here. This is Asia up in here. And uh, so all of this is, uh, I'm sorry, all of this is Asia. This is Europe going this way. You got Greece, Italy is on up uh, up the road. And, uh, and so so you have uh, the very first church, and this is God. This is what God wanted done. God wanted a church in, in, in Europe. Paul wasn't intending to go to Europe, but God wanted him in Europe, and he sent him there by that vision. Uh, and so they planted this church. And um, so, uh, as I said earlier, this, um, that's what makes the letter so personal for us, or should, is because we're... This was a first church plant. This was a planted church, um, significant in its location, and so was Heartland. Heartland is a church plant, significant in its location. And so, um, you know, that should make this letter personal to us. And so the wealth of the city was primarily its gold mines, I mentioned that, but it's also a business center due to the location. Originally, the city was known as the Little Fountains, kind of like Hot Springs, Arkansas, uh, because they had nearby fountains all over. And the name the name was uh, uh, Philip Philippi uh, of Macedon. Um, he was the father of Alexander the Great. I'm sure you've heard his name. Um, and that's where the city became the, known as as the city that it is. But in verse 12 of Acts chapter 16, I read that again. It says, "Thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony." As a colony, it had its own identity, 
and was free from provincial government, taxation, giving them Roman rights, and so on. The letter itself, the letter itself was written, uh, well, it depends on how you catalog things, and some people want to put things in different positions. But the letter is is one of the Paul's letters that are referred to as the Pauline uh, uh, prison epistles. And uh, this letter, along with the, the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians, they're considered the prison epistles that he wrote while he was in prison. So it depends on which, when you say Paul's prison first time, Paul's prison second time, when the letter was actually writ. The traditional view is that Paul's first imprisonment in Rome during uh, approximately 60 to 62 AD. So um, the other choice is not as, as popular, and that would be when he was in prison two years under uh, in Caesarea, under Felix and Festus. Remember those conversations that Paul had with, with Felix and Festus? Brian, Pastor Brian's already gone through the book of Acts, chapter 24. But, in, but it says after two years, uh, Porcius Festus, uh, came into Felix's room, and Felix was willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. So he was in prison there, but this is really not when he wrote the le- this letter. The more logical option is when he was sent to Rome. So he was in in uh, um, with Festus and Felix for two years, and he, and he said, I, I appeal to, to Caesar, and they put him on a ship and sent him to Rome. And while he was in Rome, that's when he wrote this letter uh, during that time. Now, he was in Rome again, uh, several years later at the end of the book of Acts. In fact, it doesn't even discuss this, but that's when Paul was executed. So um, so, he, so, so there's a couple of things that happened with Paul that we can kind of say that this is when it was written in 60 to 62 while he was in Rome is because uh, he was able to receive visitors there, and you can see that in the book of Acts. He was uh, guarded by Roman soldiers, but he could preach and he could teach and he could talk to people, and he was allowed. he was not allowed to do that in Caesarea. So the church was continually mindful of the needs of Paul. It's one of the things that this church's strength is, is they continually needed or mindful of his needs, and they supported him as often as they could, supporting the needs of Jerusalem as well. So they were a giving church. Heartland is a giving church. We, we should be a giving church. Um, so uh, just as oh, my screen blank all the way. So um, Paul, um, the church was continually mindful of Paul's needs, and they supported him all the time. But he didn't always write his letters. Uh, sometimes he had someone else pen his letters. We've talked about that before, um, different kind of letters where he's used other people to pen. If you look at the end of Acts chapter of Philippians, let's flip over to the last chapter of Philippians. It says at the end, after chapter 4, verse 23, was written to the Philippians from Rome. So there's another way we know that it's Rome. By Epaphrodites. So he used Epaphrodites. We'll talk more about him as well. But he used Epaphrodites to pen the letter. Uh, Epaphrodites had visited Paul while he was in prison. uh, And and, um, under Paul's direction, he wrote the letter. And then Paul used him to deliver the letter back to the church. So what was his intention? What was Paul's intention to write this letter? Um, Paul had several reasons for communicating um, this letter, and I want to give them all to you. First, he wanted to express his gratefulness to their, 
for their gift, which came with much love. In chapter 4, verse 10, um, I'm not going to read all the way down through 18, but in chapter 4, verse 10, it says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. So Paul, Paul loved this church because this church loved him. So that's the first reason that he, that he wanted to write a letter. The second reason he wanted to write a letter was to let them know why he was sending their representative Epaphrodites back to them so that they would not misunderstand. Uh, you know, some people get like, well, they must not like Epaphrodites or something. It's sending back. But that's not the case. In Philippians 2.25, says, Yet I suppose it necessary to send you Epaphrodites, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier. Those are some really cool words. Think about what he's describing. He's saying, he's my brother, he's my companion, he's my fellow soldier. Oh, but he's your messenger and that he ministered to my wants. So so he just wanted them to know uh, that he loved Epaphrodites. So the third reason that he wrote this letter was he wanted them to know about his circumstances at Rome. He wanted them to understand uh, and he wanted he wanted them to know, including the spread of the gospel, which is important to Paul, and the boldness of the saints and his bonds as a testimony of truth. Chapter 12, I won't read all the way down chapter 12, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 12 through 26. That's a long passage and kind of running out of time. I want to make sure we have plenty of time to get through this. Anyway, number four, he wrote to exhort them to unity. Uh, there was a couple, almost every letter that Paul writes, and this is an interesting thing about Paul's letter, almost every letter that Paul writes, he's dealing with either some theological problem, some doctrinal problem, some some situation that is that the church is is sideways in. But not Philippi. Philippi doesn't have some any serious problems. There is a little bit of an issue with some unity, uh, because the devil is always trying to break unity of the church. Uh, so he's he's exhorting the people back to unity. Philippians two one. If there therefore be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercies. So he's he's concerned about unity. And for Philippians four two, he even called out a couple of names. I beseech Iodius and beseech Sinte that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Number five, the last, the, lastly, he wrote to warn them against false teachers written about in chapter three. And there's some false teachers. We'll discuss that. But he just didn't want people to get bound up in false teaching. So typically this letter, and I think everybody knows this. Would If, if I say, what's, what's the Philipp, book of Philippians about? Or what's the theme? Most people are going to say it's about joy. Uh, typically, that's how it's presented or referred to as it relates to the idea of joy as a theme. And there's no doubt that joy is mentioned in many places in this in this book. And so joy is a theme. But that's not what we're looking at in this study today, or, well, for the next several weeks, however long it takes us. The word joy or something of, uh, joyful or rejoice or something mentioned in 10 verses, starting in chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, so just a couple of verses to mention, chapter 1, verse 8, chapter 1, verse 18, uh, chapter 2, verse 18, for this cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me, chapter 3, verse 10, verse 1, uh, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. So there's a lot of joy there. So while joy is a common theme, this letter is not just about having joy or finding joy. Our theme, our study for this for this book is going to be this, and there's a blank even if just write it down someplace, even if you don't have the handout in, that you can write on. 
Our theme is encouragement to engage in actions that further the gospel. So that statement, encouragement to engage in actions that further the gospel. So our theme for study then is how I would title our study. Our theme then is, is to further the gospel. To further the gospel. It was Paul's lifelong desire, and it should be every Christian's lifelong desire and intent to live in the furtherance of the gospel. Live, Maybe I should say live for the furtherance of the gospel. Um, look at Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. Now, so this is... This would be our theme passage, Philippians chapter 1, verses 11 or 12 to 14. Paul writes this, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Christ, even of envy. And this is as far as we really need to go. But 12, 13, and 14 are, are the, the key uh, passage for our study in the book of Philippians. Notice in verse 14, And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more, what? Bold to speak the word without fear. It's good that God brought us to, cha- to Psalm chapter 29 about his voice, that we can hear his voice because that's what we should be communicating, his voice. Okay, so Paul wanted every believer to follow his lead, and basically, in effect, to follow Christ. And in almost every letter Paul writes, we find encouragement to to do what? To follow his lead. So just a quick reminder, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, be ye followers of me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, become followers of us. Paul is always encouraged, even the... Even he's he's acknowledging the church at Thessalonica that they're followers of Paul. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two verse fourteen. You became followers. That's what we should do: become followers of what Paul and what Christ are doing. And there's many more. We don't need to mention them all at this point in time. So our benefit for this study, like most of Paul's letters, this one is small. But let me just say, do not let the size deceive you. There's a lot packed into this because Paul. Paul was a godly communicator, communicating God's voice in a way uh, that that it just it just con- consolidated everything. But we we all get the point. It's a dynamic book with encouraging words, encouraging tasks, encouraging suggestions, and so many more things. And this clears the way for us to have the kind of relationship that we're intended to have with our Savior and with our brothers and sisters in Christ, which is about the furtherance of the gospel. So this church, Philippi was a model church, had little error other than personal unity among a few of the believers. Uh, and we know that many of the churches that Paul wrote had both sin and sanctification issues, like Corinth, for example, and Galatians, which fell into legalism. But Philippi had none of those things. They, had, uh, they did not find themselves suffering like the Thessalonians. They weren't under persecution. Uh, although they were vocal in sharing the gospel, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Let your conversation be as it become the gospel of Christ. Let your conversation, what does that mean? Your behavior, your actions, how you converse with the ex, with the life that you're living. So let me give you an outline of the book, and uh, we're kind of wrapping this up. But, um, every Each of the four chapters put 
focus on Christ and the gospel, which can be seen in the key verse. So I want to give you four key verses, uh, four key statements about each of the chapters, which drives our study this time. So chapter 1 reminds us to place our confidence in Christ. Philippians 1, six, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. So we have confidence in Christ, uh, confidence in the work that Christ began in you and that he will continue to perform till his return. I know sometimes, I'm, I'm including myself in this, sometimes we get a little bit uh, afraid uh, to share the gospel with people. Um, it's, it's, we kind of let confidence uh, fade away and uh, we don't we don't grab the confidence that we should have from Christ. Uh, so chapter one is going to remind us of how to place our confidence in Christ. Chapter two reminds us to live, to serve, to operate with and under the mind of Christ. So we have to have the mind of Christ. For Philippians two five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So that's the key verse in chapter two. Uh, that we should let Christ's mind drive our mind. So it's easy to serve in our mind instead of the mind of Christ. But when we start to see the work in the world the way Christ does, it it really should change the way we think. Uh, You know, everything that's going on today, uh, you know, we can get caught up in the politics of things, which is easy to do. We can get caught up in the frustration of things. We can try to find fun ways to pass the time. But we really ought to find a way uh, to understand what Christ's mind is about all of this stuff. And how are we going to minister to our family, to our friends, to our neighbors? What do we have to do? Because Christ's mind is on, say, the salvation of the world. Uh, you know, we, we could go over and over and over the things that Jesus Christ said in the Gospels about his desire. Chapter 3, the key point in chapter 3, the key verse is Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, that we should emulate the ensample of Christ. Now, I'll explain what I mean by emulating the ensample when we get to chapter 3, but it says in Philippians three seventeen, Brethren, be followers together of me, so there's follow me, and mark them which walk as ye have us for an ensample, because what we are ended up looking should look like is what Christ is doing. So it sounds like the, it, chapter 3 in the verse in chapter 3 and what's going on in chapter 3 almost sounds like what's going on in chapter 2. Um, so there's you know having the same mind and so on. But it's more about, in chapter 3, it's more about how we act to be the example, not just what we think about being the example. And then lastly, chapter 4. Chapter 4 is the assurance chapter that reminds us that through everything we are kept by Christ. Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, so we have these four themes. We have the main theme, uh, the main overall study, which is the furtherance of the gospel. Uh, but then you have chapter 1, which is confidence in Christ. Chapter 2, the mind of Christ. Chapter 3, the ensample of Christ. And chapter 4, to be kept by Christ. All work in unison to fulfill the key verse but back to Philippians 1, 12. So everything in our church does and should, in Heartland, does, should, hopefully, um, be about the furtherance of of the gospel. For many of us, that that is the way that we live our life. Many of us do that already. 
I was thinking about as I was preparing, I was thinking about the vouchers and how they have served faithfully in uh, the, uh, um, what is that called? The, the Good News Club. Uh, at, and I, and I, just, I just agree for them because they can't be with their children and teaching them the Bible right now because of everything that's going on. At least I'm assuming that they're not able to be with them. I don't know if they're able to or not. I'm assuming that's the case. But I was just thinking about how the, all they wanted to do was tell the children about the gospel. You know, we and, and the things that we do in our church, there's so many things that we do um, that, that are about the furtherance of the gospel, things like uh, life issues, PTSD ministry, Bible uh, assembly ministry, um, going into the jail, so many things we do. Why do we do that? Well, because churches are supposed to. No, we do that because we want to further the gospel. And so that's what Philippians is about, is about furthering the gospel. And so um, our church supports every method of sharing the gospel, whether it's after school, as I said, the after school club or a life issue, Bible publishing, any of those kind of things. Okay, so that's the, that's the outline, that's the study, that's where we're going with this. Uh, I want to take just a few minutes now um, <clears throat> and just look at the first five verses um, and kind of break those down. So let's flip over to chapter 1, and I'll just read the first five verses and uh, get some comments on those, and then we'll conclude. We may conclude a little bit early, but um, we'll go from there. Anyway, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you are for you all make a request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So this is the first thing you notice. Uh, well, you got two guys, Paul and Timotheus, and he's acknowledging Timotheus because he becomes a significant person later on in the rest of the chapters. But what he this most of the time, I don't think I. And made a note of it, but most of the time, when you look at the title or the greeting that Paul greets people with, uh, the letters as he writes them, he always calls himself an apostle. But he doesn't call himself an apostle in this book. Uh, I think there might be one other book where he doesn't call himself an apostle, which I think is the Thessalonians. So, but he calls himself a servant here, which he does in Rome or in the book of Romans, and. Um, and so to be a servant simply means that they serve the Most High God. So this is, this is a cool statement, at least I think it is. They serve the Most High God. That's what he means to be a servant. They serve the Most High God. They attend on God. They are employed by God. They are devoted to God's honor. As servants, they come to do his errands, God's errands. Uh, they come to, do, to, to deliver his message. Uh, and they serve the purpose and the interest of his kingdom. Now, when we read the opening statement, we should recognize that Paul does not refer to himself as an apostle this time, and there's a reason, I think, for that. In every other letter that he writes, it was common for him to identify as an apostle, carrying the full weight of authority with, with to that church. So whenever Paul was writing to the church, and he would say, I'm a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, what he's saying is, I'm a servant, I do the work 
I do the work that Christ and God want me to do, but I have their authority, so listen to what I'm about to tell you. He doesn't need to bring that up today in this letter here. He doesn't need to identify his authority uh, and what he's trying to say. And so in this letter, he just says him and Timothy, who he met at the beginning of Acts chapter 16, uh, he said, hey, we're just servants. He called himself a servant, which basically meant that um, that he would be a slave. He's a slave to God. Now, I know I identified it a little bit differently, but typically that's what the word servant means. Translated is, is that he is a, a slave, someone who is subject to either involuntary or voluntary devotion to serve another. So I think in a very tangible way, what Paul is doing in this in this verse, in this first verse, in a very tangible way, is he's putting himself in the same category as the saints. And he uses the word saints in, uh, as a key word as well. And he, he, he puts himself as the same category as the saints with attention on being faithful together. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, he says uh, he's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. So he is putting himself in the same category as the church at Philippi, as a servant. Now, he did have authority. There's no doubt about that. He had authority that came from his position, but it wasn't necessary to emphasize that in this letter because authority is not in question. So as we recognize, um, there's very little to expect major in this letter. Um, there's very little to expect in doctrinal or theological correction. He doesn't have to fix their doctrine. He doesn't have to correct their theology. Uh, it's already straight. They're they're tracking where they need to be. And I've had conversations with Pastor Brian over the last several uh, months, and we both are in agreement that our church is doctrinally healthy, theologically healthy, and focused on the gospel. And so um, his attention is on the saints at the church, and that's why he uses that word, saints. As what he's also focused on the attention of the leadership, the bishops and the deacons, and he calls those out. So he had two concerns uh, as he's as he's greeting them, which you see in verse two: "Grace be unto you in peace, grace and peace." That was his first concern. Um, uh, this was also Paul's commonly used way of greeting uh, any any letter as he was writing, um, and so. Uh, while he may, uh, while we may view it as a cute or quaint way of, of writing, some people think it's kind of weird. But anyway, um, Paul's prayer that these churches recognize the grace and peace they have from God—that's a—that's a desire of his, because it's too easy for the Christian to lose sight of these wonderful blessings. Of course, peace is a reference that they are not subject to the wrath of God, and the wrath of God does not abide on us anymore. We can read that First Thessalonians one ten. It says, uh, we, we are delivered, God has, Jesus Christ has delivered us from the wrath to come. So there's two definitions of grace, and I talked about this when we were looking at the book of, of Galatians, and so I just want to keep the definitions the same for you. Definition first is what, what people would refer to as a simple definition. Grace is God's favor without reference to your merit, but I prefer, it's a little harder to remember, but I prefer a complete definition Grace is the absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God to men, having as its only motive the loving kindness of God himself. It is unmerited, and it is unearned favor from God. 
Okay, so the first thing was grace and peace. The second thing that Paul was concerned about was the fellowship of the gospel. And so the gospel is the centerpiece of the letter to the saints at Philippi. Salvation, as we all know, only comes through Jesus Christ giving himself for our sins. And in order that he could deliver us from this evil world, So Paul often thought of this church, which is significant. He, as he says, says, always making prayer of mine for your request with joy. Um, well, verse three, I, I thank God. I thank my God for every remembrance of you. So we often thought about this church, which is significant. Um, when you consider all the churches that he started, I don't know what the count is. I was, I actually was going to try to figure out what the count is. Um, and see how many churches Paul actually got started. But I don't have, I, I, well, I forgot to do it. But anyway, it's a lot of churches. But just think about, about that. He often, th- this church was, was for, for, how do you say that? Uh, foremost on his mind all the time he was thinking about this church. Uh, they cared for Paul and his well-being more than any other church. Uh, too often the churches that we have letters in the Bible front about, uh, in some way resisted Paul, they rejected Paul, but the Philippians loved Paul, not just as a name, but they loved him as their pastor, because he was the founding pastor of the church, and that was significant in their life. There, He was their shepherd, he was their leader, and this drew Paul to always remember them and to pray for them, knowing that as he says in verse 6, the work that has begun in them will continue until the day of Jesus Christ's return. And so that's just a real quick uh, the introduction as he's opening up the letter and some outlines and some things where we're going to try to go. Uh, we'll break down the verses and we'll look at each passage in each chapter over the next several uh, weeks, uh, whether we continue to do it on live stream. Uh, I don't know how all this is going to work. I, would, I, I miss all of your faces. Um, just like Paul's always remembering the church, I'm always remembering uh, real life. And uh, I just wish we could be together again the way we have always been together. We can hug each other, shake hands with each other, have a donut with each other, drink coffee with each other, just spend time together and serve together. I love the fact that our church, that our class serves together in so many different ways in ministry. And so uh, let me just wrap this all up and then we'll be done and I'll pray us out of here. As we wrap up, we should be in prayer this week about how we can further the gospel in a virus-prone world. What can you and I do to further the gospel? Um, what do we need to do? Uh, what can we do? Do we, you know, do we duplicate what other churches are doing and pass out food under the portico? Uh, uh, one church uh, uh, down in um, in Alabama, they just had people drive up free prayer. That was a pretty cool thing. People got saved. Just, pray, just hey, come into our our parking lot. We'll pray for you. You know, we'll we'll stay ten feet away from your vehicle, but we'll pray for you. People get saved. That's a good idea. What are we going to do to get the word out to share the gospel? Whether it's the social media pl- uh, platform, which is flooded today. I mean, every other post in Facebook is a verse, at least on mine, on my whatever you call that thing. The what is? The feed, feed. So um, 
almost every other other post is either something about politics, something about the uh, the the world the way it is, or it's a Bible verse. Okay, that's great, uh, but those are just tidbits of truth. How is that getting the gospel out? Um, and so I think we need to pray about that. What do we need to do to further the gospel? Maybe we just need to pick up the phone, call your neighbor, and talk to them about Jesus. Further the gospel in your life and join the saints at Philippi, and we'll see it all work the way God wants us to. In his voice, Psalm 29, his voice will be um, spread around the world. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and pray. If you have any comments, text Julie or put it out there. She's kind of monitoring everything. Um, I don't know how many people are viewing this, but I'm glad that we. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for thanks for joining in, and uh, hopefully everything worked good. I have no idea because my screen is blank. But uh, God, I, I love you all, and I'm so thankful for everybody in the real life class. Let's pray, and then we'll be done. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this this book. What a what an encouraging study that uh, I'm I'm just so eager to jump into with both feet. Looking forward to what you have to teach us, and not just teach us, Lord, but looking forward to how you engage us uh, to to the furtherance of the gospel. Lord, I pray that uh, that you would be glorified in our life, and, in, and glorified in the real life class, and glorified in the heart in, in the church, Heartland Baptist Fellowship. Thank you for using us. Thank you for trusting us with your word and your voice and everything else. I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, anoint us, use us according to your will. In Jesus' precious and holy name. I want to pray for Brian as he preaches this morning uh, in uh, in the main service, Lord, that you would just encourage him uh, and use him according to your will as well. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Love you guys. God bless. So I just click done. Okay. This is bye-bye, everybody. It says, if you end this live video now, you'll be able to close. You'll be able to choose if you want to save or delete it.